0: To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So, feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish.
1: Welcome back to this, this misguided adventure that we have affectionately titled, Tell With the Hot Dish. I'm Alex, and I'm coming at you out of Minneapolis.
0: And I'm Lauren, and I'm also in Minneapolis. What in the world are we doing in Why Minneapolis? Why are we here? Yeah. Lord, and where's Kyle? Wait a minute. Are you okay? I, f- I feel all right. I mean, we are in the land of the hot dish. This is it? This <gasps> is it. We're in We've really talked a lot no, of trash about right. this food. No joke. Alex and I flew into Minneapolis on Wednesday. We got off this train thing that It's called took a light us, rail, you animal. A light rail. We don't have okay. those in Ohio. Right, okay. A light rail that took us downtown to the Marriott Center where we're currently staying. And as we were walking in, I looked into a window of a store and there was a t-shirt. Do you remember what that t-shirt Yes, was? that t-shirt said like. It, it was the outline of the state of Minnesota. Minnesota it said a hot dish. Yeah, and I knew we were home.
1: This no, this is this is dangerous. We've talked too much trash about this food.
0: I know, and now we're in their land.
1: Now we're here and they're going to come for us. What are we here for? We're here for the bold gathering. What is the Bold Gathering? The Bold Gathering is, I don't know how often it happens. Admittedly, this is my first time, but it's triannual. There it is, triannual. And it's the uh, National Men Lutheran Men and Mission Gathering. So we're here for some conversations, some music, some speakers, some service projects. You
0: know, gathering stuff. Do you know my favorite part so far? Alex and I are here for this Bold Gathering. And Alex's role during this entire conference has been just to be the court jester, to add some flavor and some color and some humor. And nobody knew that. I didn't so, know no, that no, either. No, that's your role. Uh, huh. That's that's why you're here. That's fair. That's
1: why you told me to find that Sasquatch and Ta-da. tell everyone about it.
0: Ta-da. And okay. at our first opening session, we, there's 200-some guys here from all over the country. Alex developed a slideshow. And nobody knew it was supposed to be funny. No. So Alex has this slideshow up and he's making jokes. And granted, they weren't great jokes. But nobody laughed. That's
1: hurtful and unnecessary. Nobody laughed at your jokes. Listen, that's not true. There was at least three guffaws.
0: Yeah. At least. Well. Little. Try harder. I'll do my best. I don't know. I wasn't prepared to be the court jester. Hey, are we in our hotel room recording this episode? We are
1: recording this in a open session in a breakout group. So we are actually, this is a hot dish first. This is a live recording. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey! hey. Ooh, that, that did way better. than Yeah, I it did. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: we're was, we're yeah. in a room with really good-looking Lutheran men. Hey, strong, handsome boys. Hey. Handsome Lutheran men. Yeah. We are in a room filled with guys that are uh, here just learning a little bit about what a podcast is and, and to see a little bit behind the scenes. But we're also sitting next to another great, you know, good-looking, strong Lutheran man. Who's this guy we're sitting next to? Taylor Wilson. Hi. How are you?
2: I'm, I'm doing pretty well. How are
0: I, you?
1: I just met you, and can I just say you're quite a singer, man. Thanks. It was impressive. <laughs> yeah, I. Lauren said music we were going to have by someone in Tay, and I thought it was the guy who sings Chocolate Rain.
2: Chocolate Rain. Yeah, no, <laughs> not it, that one.
1: No, different
0: one. It's a different one. Oh man, you've been great so far.
2: I appreciate it.
0: So you're a you're a musician. You yeah. sing, but you're also a pastor, right?
2: I'm a pastor, and you tell know, us I, about yourself. Now, I, uh, I grew up here in the Twin Cities, and for me, to be a pastor today is probably a surprise for a lot of folks. I never saw myself working in the ministry, let alone being a pastor. So I was a checklist Lutheran, so my parents, you know, they had me baptized, check, check. they dropped me off at Sunday school, check, check. and then I got confirmed.
0: Check. Check. I graduated from church. It was, and then well, you got a cake and you graduated, and I no dressed up in a gown.
2: It was, uh, it was an experience to say the least. But, uh, you know, for me, it, faith wasn't a big part of my life. Uh, you know, I found myself at various times in in life feeling kind of uh, separated from God, feeling like you know, either sin or or just things in general that, that seemed to get in the way of me living living out my faith, uh, kind of disqualified me from from claiming the title Christian. Hmm. And, you know, having folks that weren't real strong in the faith at the time, it just wasn't something that, that was real evident in my life. And so then it was, you know, my, the friends that went to the evangelical churches down the road that started to invite me, uh, you know, when I was 17, 18, you know, to come and get involved in their youth group. I was a musician, and you know, had been told pretty uh, to the point that, well, that type of music isn't actual worship. That type of music.
0: Oh, um, you were told this by like yeah, your by, Lutheran by
2: my Lutheran pastors. Actually, oh, bummer. So you know, for and 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 I. I have okay memories of my church, but I, I also have those memories of being dropped off on Sunday morning, trying to make my way through the hymnal, having no clue what I was doing and not really having mentorship, not being taught, not being brought up in the faith. And so when I was done, I was done.
0: So you talked a little bit about your friends inviting you to other churches. How did you end up here? What was that journey like of feeling disconnected from God to bridge the gap for us?
2: Yeah. So sports ministry was a big part of my life. Uh, I played basketball, and I ended up getting recruited to do a Christian AAU team. Um, and I was the I was the only Caucasian guy on the team. Very inner city, uh, a lot of fun. You know, loved being able to play. And through that, uh, the coach on the team ended up being uh, kind of a, a great spiritual mentor for me. His name's Bernie, and. Uh, He really looked out for us. He encouraged us. He prayed with us, uh, walked alongside us in faith. And so I ended up finding myself going to an evangelical college, played basketball there, small school here in the Twin Cities. And... You know, it was a, a cool opportunity, but again, I, I went to this Christian school with no intention of being in ministry. It was probably a, a decent bubble for me to be in, honestly, as a twenty-something. It was a, a whole different world than I was used to, but um, met some good people along the line. But never thought I'd be in ministry, and so it, it wasn't until my junior year of college where I sat down with my advisor and he convinced me that I was Lutheran. Uh, so that was that was something that, a uh, you know Assemblies of God college. Uh, having having a professor say, "No, Taylor, you're Lutheran." They could and spot a
0: Lutheran a mile they could, away. They
2: sniffed it out when I walked by. They smelled by. the
0: bacon and cheese on your breath. Said, they, "Get out of
1: here!" Like, why? What, that kid's always eating casseroles in class.
2: Well, he's uh,
1: asking the cafeteria
0: lady, "Where's the Jello?"
2: <laughs> I was asking, "Where's the beer?" And that wasn't there. No,
0: and all the guys said, <laughs> "Hey."
2: So, you know, I found myself in this this whole new world, and I ended up interning at the the Bible camp, Camp Wapo, that uh, I had gone to as a kid. And that was really my my road back to the Lutheran church. I got hired at a church in the Twin Cities as a youth minister, did that for five years, was finding that even in that context, uh, there were some things that I I wasn't being able to be fed fully uh, in the role. And so I started writing music. Um, and for me, I never thought that I would be a musician. Um, I struggled enough with my words. Uh, and so the songs that I wrote never were intended to be songs at the beginning. But sometimes whatever I was feeling in life, uh, when, when things were difficult, I'd write something down. When things were going pretty well, I needed to write that down too. Kind of so you'd be reminded of, of the journey that you're on. Uh, on the right. good days, you need to be reminded. And, and uh, the bad days too. So th- that was a big thing for me. Uh, you know, It was youth ministry. It was music. I was able to kind of be a Lutheran voice and playing at Christian music festivals and was able to do some stuff for the ELCA and, and met my wife uh, down in, in New Orleans at the ELCA Extravaganza in 2012.
0: You played music there,
2: right? I played music there. And Dang!
0: <laughs> Dang, girl! That's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> Didn't you have like a hit song too?
2: Uh, yeah, I wrote a song called Party in the ELCA. Which was a, a parody of uh, "Party in the USA," um, and that was kind of the one that got me a lot of gigs. You can buy your Lutheran Party shirt here this weekend if you want. My wife would love me to get rid of some of this stuff. Oh, <laughs> Party shirt? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it's funny. That's it's a parody song. It's whatever you know. It is whatever it is. But I've just found that my my writing ended up being. Yeah. Artistic, and, and there was something for it. And I, and I also found that there were a lot of Lutherans that were similar to me. You know, I, I had a bad experience in the traditional church. Working in the church started that healing process. I'm somebody that appreciates traditional worship. I lead it every Sunday. I chant. I do those things. But there's this uh, kind of more contemporary, you know, uh, musician side of me that uh, I know that I'm not alone. Uh, in the church. And and it's been an honor to be able to share some of those gifts with people and to lead others Mm -hmm. in worship.
0: Well, I think one of the myths that uh, people might buy into is that all Lutherans worship exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. They have a a certain style that's just distinctly that.
0: Yeah. I had a good friend who did a sermon series two years ago called Mythbusters, like the popular TV show. Oh, yeah. And he went through four or five different myths that we buy into One myth was it's the pastor's job to do that. (laughs) Uh, That's a myth. We're all the priesthood. We're the priesthood of all believers. We believe that. That's what Luther taught. Another was Lutherans all worship exactly alike. And and you know one of the things that really grounds me in ministry is that we're not called to be like a chain restaurant, like an Olive Garden. You walk into one, you've walked into all of them. Global. Um, We really are called to do contextual ministry. And what unites us is our theology. It's what we believe about Mm -hmm. God. It's our witness in the world. It's not necessarily that we all worship or have the same preferences. So I appreciate your gift to our church as someone that has not one musical bone in his
2: body. Yeah. I I, I remember the conversation with, it was my advisor, Dr. Pano at at North Central. And he told me in that conversation, like, Taylor, it's okay. You're Lutheran. (laughs) And again, like you're like, oh no, no, like like a
0: disease you came down with. (laughs) You're going to get better. I'm serious.
2: You know, we we were able to. I was frustrated. You know, I was sitting in theology classes. I was a business major at the time uh, at a Christian school, and you had to take some theology classes. And I was just really struggling with it. And when he said that, my my response was, "No, I'm not." And part of that was because in my mind, it wasn't the theology of the Lutheran Church that I had. You know, an right. issue with it was the fact that it was pretty cut and dry. Three services, all identical. This is what being Lutheran was, and at that time in my life, I wasn't there. I've had some healing. I've had a, a good, uh, good process in that to get to where i'm at today and to be able to serve the whole church right but you know at the time that was that was something that i needed to understand that there's not just this one size fits all stamp uh, for the lutheran church i think that's it's really important for us to realize it's not just our german or swedish or norwegian heritage like there's the lutheran church is a lot bigger than that
0: right what an amazing story uh thank you for sharing with our listeners and the guys that are in the room now just a little bit about how you got to where you are today but Mm -hmm. We look at your life now. You're here at the Bold Gathering. You're leading music. Do you guys like what Tay's offering so far with music? Yeah. There you go.
2: One person in the corner is like, you
0: suck. Yeah, I (laughs) know.
2: But but I'm
0: curious because, you know, you went to seminary. You and your wife both work in the church. Your wife is a deacon in the church. And you're nine months into your first call as a pastor. So... How are you doing? <laughs> how, how
1: how is it? Is it every? is
0: it, is is all it everything your dreams you coming thought through? it would be?
2: It's okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, I know <laughs> I it, it's going really well. You know, the, the biggest thing for me is I'm a I'm a Twin Cities person. I've I've been around here my entire life and my wife is from Moorhead. First call was in New York City. Uh, second call was in Maple Grove, and and now we're both uh, have calls in the same church in Northwestern Minnesota. And you know it, it's been awesome to be together in the same church. We were able to do that one time before, and and you know, to be up there, we have an 18 month old daughter, and you know, to be surrounded in a community that's really welcoming us in and uh, walking alongside us in this this next chapter. It's been it's been good, but man, I realize there's a whole lot of stuff that seminary didn't prepare me for. Like what? Everything. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, the great news is, I mean, what's happening at this gathering is conversations about how we're bold in our faith and how we're bold in our relationships. And the reality is that stereotype that the pastor does everything. Mm -hmm. You're a young pastor. I have the lights, the glitz, and the glamour of it all. I'm sure you're just overwhelmed by
2: it. And that paycheck.
1: And that paycheck. That (laughs) stacks of cash. Yeah. The reality is it isn't just all about the pastor, that a community forms. And I think what's so great to hear, and I I mean, maybe I'm speaking for you guys too, to hear that we make mistakes sometimes in how we reach out to young people. Mm -hmm. We sometimes articulate a faith that we found very valuable that doesn't resonate sometimes with somebody else. But the idea that we can bring each other back into this, and the gate is wide enough to share all of our gifts, Mm -hmm. all of our talents, because our faith isn't about just our our physical, practical practices—it's its a way. It's a way of life that makes room for all sorts of talents. So um, I think we're all very grateful that you're you're a part of this tribe with us now.
2: Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the thing for me that I've that I've been reminded of is that everybody has a spot at the table. Yes, uh, we've gone through a lot of you know revitalization in our ministry uh, at our church. We've we've gone from about. 350 or so weekly to 750 on average weekly in worship attendance over the last three years and I think it's been uh, really a a refocus on living out our mission in the Fargo-Moorhead area uh, we exist so that all may know the Good Shepherd and have abundant life in His name. And with that, we've had to take a, a step back from just the things that we're doing in the building for our members. And I think for some folks, that's been difficult. Oh, sure. it, it, in many ways, I, I say seminary didn't prepare me for this because seminary prepared me for a very different model of ministry, for right. a, a declining church where the, the pastor does everything, probably in, in a more rural area. Um, but it, it really comes down to... Sustaining the ministry as you know to the best of your ability, and you know hopefully being able to walk alongside it for a long time into the future. Um, but in this church, we're one of three churches in our synod that's growing, and part of my call is to be a mission developer to launch a second worship site in wow. the Fargo area. And you know for even members of our congregation, it's a difficult thing for them to understand. Why do we have to have another location? Why can't they just come here? Why aren't they coming here? Don't we have plenty of people here already? Things along those lines. And and it's hard. uh, I think it really is hard for us to be able to see outside of ourselves. And that's me looking in the mirror as well. You know, I'm a member here. My money goes toward this. I should have a, a say and you should do what I want. Um, in every other avenue, I mean, that's a that's a part of probably some way that I think yeah. uh, on some level. It's consumer culture. It's, it, well, it is. I've invested.
1: It's, this is we we come here because we we receive something. It's transactional
2: oh. Christianity, yeah, and that's dangerous. <laughs> it is, but but again, uh, sin comes in all forms, and sin's a, yeah. a scary word. But you know, I, I think that that's part of part of our life. It's it's in the parish, even a healthy parish. Um, you know, we, we can have our own desires get in the way of the movement of God. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, God's more powerful than that, but still makes it a little messy sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I'm finding myself uh, learning. You know, trying to to really be you know open ears and uh, be able to hear from, from folks who have concerns, who are excited, who you know are somewhere in between. But yeah. we we really have seen this uh, this revitalization and people coming into the church that haven't felt welcomed for whatever reason haven't felt comfortable, you know, donning the the doorstep of a church. And here they are. They're coming in, and they're becoming a part of the community. But with that, you need to be able to kind of reconcile and work through that tension of the longtime member and, you know, the new person who just got there. Right. This church exists for both of those folks and the person who's not even there yet.
0: Right. Yeah, it reminds me of that parable that Jesus taught about the workers in the vineyard. And some started really early in the morning, and others came at the very end of the workday. And yet the landowner was generous to all of them. And I think we often think about that in terms of God's generosity. But we could also apply that parable to the church. There are those in our congregations. My congregation is close to 60 years old now. And we have members that have been charter members there from the very beginning. Yep. And I honor their ministry. They've been so faithful. There are men here that have been involved with Lutheran Men in Mission for um since its beginning of, you know, for, for decades. And there are guys in the room that are like us that are younger that, that that are maybe this is their first gathering. And yet I think of that parable, how Jesus says, I, I want everyone in the vineyard. I just don't want anyone standing by idle. I don't yep. want anyone that doesn't feel included. And I, I think that's a beautiful vision for ministry, and it's great to hear about what's going on in Fargo. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there are any guys here that are listening in our audience that have any questions for for you or for any of us. If you want your question to be on the air, just come on up to the table. This is your chance. This is your chance internet to listen to yourself on the internet radio waves. <laughs> anybody?
2: Quack about anything. Quack. 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 We didn't plan that. Uh, anybody?
0: Any questions at all? Anything. Wow. Hey, I get it.
1: Here we go. Here we
0: We are. We got one. We got a question. Go for it. I know what a deacon in the Catholic Church is. I know what a deacon in the Baptist Church is. I do not know what a deacon in the Lutheran Church is or does. Dave, that is a great question. This is Dave Bruton from San Antonio, Texas.
2: All right. So um, I think we're still figuring that out in many ways, if we can be honest, but... There's word and service and word and sacrament uh, in in the rostered minister uh, tracks at seminary. And so my wife went to Luther Seminary, where I also went a long time before I went there. And she decided that she was being called into ministry but didn't want to be a pastor. And so she was what was called an associate in ministry, an AIM, and that was her title. There's also diaconal ministers and deaconesses and you know things along those lines, where people were rostered, they might work right alongside a pastor at your congregation, but it might be you know in, in your church you've never had that title. So now they decided to streamline uh, those three different three different calls, and now they are all one. They're called deacons. And so each and every week, my wife gets approached by folks just like you, Dave, who are going. <laughs> You're a what? <laughs> you don't look like the deacon I grew up with. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, to hell with the title. But uh, <laughs> she's, she's just excited to be in ministry. She does children and family ministry at the church and uh, you know, is on our leadership team. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's fun to see her serve in that way. But, yeah, not everybody feels called to be, to be a pastor. Folks still go to seminary. And that was just one of the ways she, she felt called.
0: Right. Any other questions out there? Anything stirring inside? Come on up. All right. Let's say your name, uh, where you're from, and uh, ask your question.
2: All right. I'm uh, Sailor Boylan. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. What would you guys say is the number one thing that people should know about being Lutheran?
0: Number one oh, thing number people one should know thing. about being Lutheran. <laughs> Alex, I'm going to pass this over to you. You're a good, good Lutheran boy. He's a good, good Lutheran.
1: Let's Let's all answer it. Let's all answer it. Um, So, yeah, for me, I think as a Lutheran, the thing that stuck out to me, I can only say what was the most important thing to me. And it was the uh, the image that I was shown as a a, a young person about the idea of pursuing God versus being pursued by God. That God has a hope for me. Not that God is some distant, far off creature who does who if I could like just do good enough, God's going to be really into me. Or that if I'm bad enough, God just wants nothing to do with me. The thing I always knew in our tradition was this uh, story of Martin Luther, who's, I mean, the stories you hear as a kid of him sitting on a toilet because his stomach was, like, destroyed in grief and anxiety about whether he could please God. And I was a little kid with a lot of anxiety.
0: Alex threw up every Christmas morning because of his anxiety.
1: I get too excited and throw up. Uh, I would get too nervous at the beginning of a school year and get sick. Every school year, the first week I was sent home, they're like, he's ill. And she's like, my mom's like, Nah, he's just nervous. And I don't have any more. But um, the thing is, is uh, I, I connected that because every time I went on Sunday to hear about who God was in our tradition, it was a God who was pursuing me to remind me from the very start before I did anything. I was deeply loved before this whole thing was made there was love. And that's why that's what I needed to hear. And that's why I keep wanting to tell people about as a Lutheran, I'm not saying other traditions don't have that. I'm saying we still got that. And I want to sing that really loud and
0: proud that God loved us from the start. Yeah. For me, it would be um, the sense as, as our Lutheran theology focuses a lot on paradox and mm-hmm. sort of along the lines of what Alex is saying. I think I, the thing I would want all of my friends to know about what I believe about God is that God looks at us as sinner and saint. Part of my reignition into my life with Christ came when I was a soldier in the army and I was deployed in Iraq. And I came home from that deployment in Iraq and I had a lot of guilt and I had a lot of shame and I had a lot of anger and I had a lot of things to work out in my life. And just sitting in a Lutheran campus ministry at The Ohio State University uh, with Pastor Jay Gamlin, And the way that Jay spoke about God and the way Jay spoke about our humanity, that we are simultaneously saint and sinner, that I wasn't defined by anything that had happened to me or that I had done in my life, but that I was also looked at with the eyes of Jesus that said, you're also saint. And um, so the the idea of paradox for me, um, we live in a black and white world and culture where uh, we want to define things, what is right and wrong, who's in, who's out. And I love Lutheran theology because Lutheranism says it's both and. There's actually a lot of gray and we live in the tension. And it's not that there aren't clear things that guide our lives as Lutherans, but I find that Lutheran theology equips me to live in that holy tension. And that gives me a lot of comfort. And it challenges me. What about you, Tay?
2: You know, for me, I just keep coming back to the fact that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. And for far too often in my in my faith life, I felt like I'm not good enough, either because of the sin um, that I, that's that been a part of my life, which we all have sin. It takes different forms. But the theological lens that I was looking through really put all of the pressure on myself and once I really kind of embraced my Lutheran identity as a, as a faithful Christian, um, I feel like I have been able to lift up the things that are weighing me down to let the spirit really move within me. And it hasn't been then my, my work it hasn't been anything on that end, but yeah. it's just been, you know, I guess allowing, uh, but, but really just the spirit, Coming and guiding and continuing to work through me and each day there's ups and downs mm-hmm. um, but the truth of the matter is it's the work of the triune God in me and, and not anything on my own yes. and so to answer the question from from the Lutheran point of view I mean like that's that's just huge for me uh, because each and every day there, there can be things that we'll set out to try to do and we're probably not going to do it to the best of our ability we're probably not even going to complete it the way that we intend to and I think we need to be kind of even okay with that right i had way too much pressure to try to be perfect um you know morally or whatever it is like this is what the christian life looks like Well, the christian life looks a lot different than that i've come to find out and you know i'm in many ways i'm grateful it doesn't mean that that's like my card that i pull out i'm like ah, well i'm just a sinner like no like you're also a saint i'm also a saint hey that was good um but there's that that opportunity then for us to live into that, to make a difference in the lives of our neighbors. And again, I think our theology uh, really sets the table for us to do that in, in beautiful ways.
0: Yeah. Powerful. Great question. Guys, we are, we are at the end of our time because we're going to go in and hear pastor Reverend Robert Johnson, give his keynote address. So we need to wrap up, but. The way we always wrap up, and we're going to invite all of you into this, we always sign our show off in the same way. We sign off by saying, and as always, and we go, um, each of us have a turn to say, to hell with the hot dish. And what we mean by that is we're, we're over the cliche casserole culture of the church. We want to live vibrant, authentic lives of faith. So the three of us will do it and we'll invite you in if you'd like to say boring our, to uh, hell with the hot our dish. sign off as well. So Alex, yes. yeah, so thank you for listening. Thank you Tate
1: for uh for sharing your testimony, your story. And uh yeah, thank you guys for being here. And as
0: always, tell the hot dish.
2: To hell with the hot dish.
0: To hell with the hot dish.
2: To, to hell with the
0: hot dish. dish. Yay! Woo. All right.